0: It's time to swarm the 402 Welcome to the Nebraska Hawksmen These guys are brave They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory Listen, these guys are way past their prime, but they're still Hawkeyes They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska oh, The Frost Advisory is cancelled! Corn husker? More like corn Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go!
1: All right, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest here. Hawkeye Oasis, located in a Nebraska desert. Today, we are joined by, in our opinion, the innovator of tight and you, Mr. Marv Cook. How you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing really well, thank you. Um, I can't take all the credit. I actually uh, had some great mentors when I first got on campus there. Um, all right, all right, so go ahead and, go ahead and elaborate. Who are the mentors, Marv? Love being a part of it. Uh, Mike Hufford, you know, I, my first... Uh, my first day at Iowa, I literally got my locker signed and and came in and walked in and, and walked to the back. I, I can vividly remember where it was. And Mike Hufford had just finished a workout and he was, I mean, jacked, you know, and just read it, shripped and read it and shredded and and, uh, and I was like, dude, if this is a tight end, I'm I'm like I got a long ways to go. Uh, so but he great guy and then then Jonathan Hayes. Sure. You talk about a guy that Six six two fifty and about four percent body fat. So I mean, I was I walked in like six four, you know two oh six or something at the time, and I was like, oh man, this is going to be a long couple first years. But uh, mm. I was just was fortunate enough to be a part of that great group. Coach Patterson was an amazing uh, teacher instructor. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm going to get long winded and ramble, but so he was we an love army, it. He was an army guy that flew helicopters. And so every day was just a regiment, regiment, regiment about what we were doing, and uh, he was incredible. And he was just you know a checklist of what you had to do pre-snap, you know, right before the snap, and then after the snap, and and it was just it, so the game became just instinctive, natural. Uh, you knew what to expect, um, and he prepared me like no other. So that's why I, I think a lot of what the tight end success had early was because of Don Patterson and the instruction he he drove me crazy a lot of times with it, but, but the only time he took five minutes off i'll never forget we were in kinnick stadium on a practice and you know and when you're, you're in kinnick and no one's in there it's eerie kind of crazy echoey and the air care helicopter was waiting to land because it was must have been the traffic was full or something up there so he was backing up and kind of doing things. And so Coach Patterson flying a helicopter, he was like, hey, that's really hard to do what he's up there doing. He's trying to explain it to us, football guys, what the guy was doing. We had no idea. But it was the only five minutes, I swear to God, when I was there <laughs> for five years that he ever took, took a minute away from football and coaching. So uh, wow. it was a lot of fun and glad to be a part of it. Unfortunately, though, they always use that picture with me and missing my front tooth. Anytime they want to show it on ABC TV or whatever. So I yep. always enjoy that. Everybody always sends me a text. My phone blows up. Yeah. Uh, that was, and that, day was day. and that was and that was a that was the one when you're on the Patriots, Marv. Yeah, correct. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, coincidentally, just for the folks at home, look what we got. We've got the close up oh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> love it. I walked
3: into that one, didn't I? So, <laughs> hey, you yeah. you totally set us up on that one. Thanks for teeing yeah. us up.
1: How did you not get a deal with Colgate or Crest after that? Like they should have been knocking your door down.
2: And and Procter and Gamble was right here. I did have a Crest hat though when I was in college. It was one of my okay. favorite hats. Uh, but yeah, they didn't have the NI deals back then. So, you know, you couldn't you couldn't negotiate those deals uh, when you're in college. But um, when I the interesting thing is, is when I went to New England, you know, this this the NFL is great now and they market really well and they have access to to, to all these games, but when I was in New England, we weren't very good for the four or five years, the five years that I was there. So we'd get one game a year on kind of national TV. Uh, so if you lived in Iowa, you were rarely catching a, a Patriots game when I was out in New England playing. So uh, they didn't see me a lot back here at home. So, But uh, loved my experiences when I was out there. Had a great five years in New England and uh, um, don't don't regret any of it. Jerry,
1: I'm gonna Jerry, I'm gonna get sucked into these stories just so you know. (laughs) And I'm gonna get so into it that I'm probably gonna forget to ask the next question. So you need to keep me on task, okay? Yeah, you're asking the
3: guy that actually was, you know, between the two of us, the guy that remembers Marv playing. So I mean, I think I'll be even worse than you will. But you know, you know, Marv, I'm glad you brought up his name because when you think back to that 85 team, you know, the Chuck Longs and the Larry Stations and the Ronnie Harmons are the names that come to but you know, Jonathan Hayes was a you know a really key contributor. Back then, kind of tell us more about Jonathan. Now, when when I saw games with Kinnick, he always had the biggest smile. It looked like he was having the time of his life on the sidelines. I mean, what what was Jonathan Hayes like? Kind of tell us more about him and how you know because now he's into a pretty successful coaching career.
2: Yeah, he was he was a, he was great, and um, you know he was he was a bigger like bigger than life guy, literally for me when I first came on campus. Like I said, and and, and quiet and, and and tough and. and uh, you know, vocal leader, uh, but led by example, led by hard work. And, um, you know, I mean, literally within that first two weeks of being at Iowa City, I mean, he kind of, you know, showed me the way and the path. And, you know, I, I think at one point he came up to my table. I was sitting at a table and said, oh, you're going to be a tight end, huh? And I can't remember what I said. Something like, yeah, I'm going to try or something. He's like, just give me two weeks with you. And I had no idea what he meant, but I mean, I'm looking up to a guy that was six six, two hundred and fifty. 250, you know, had been through the wars of Big Ten football. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, I might have bit off more than I could chew on this thing. But um, but an amazing guy, uh, had a great experience. In fact, when I was a senior in college, I drove down to Kansas City with a buddy of mine and he was playing with the Chiefs at the time and, mm-hmm. and uh, he couldn't have been more gracious, let us into his house and... You know, we, we, we spent the night in his house and went to the Chiefs game the next day and then went after after the game went to a, a local restaurant. John Alt was there, shook John Alt's hand, and he had broken a finger during the game, so he was upset with me when I shook his hand kind of firmly. But but he didn't beat me up, thank God, and the fact that I was a Hawkeye and, and carried a lot of weight. So, but uh, a great camaraderie with those guys and just, um, you know, like I said, the the, the guys that came before me, were, were incredible leaders. Chuck Long, Hap Peterson, Jonathan, uh, you know, Billy Happel, Scotty Helverson, Those guys were just phenomenal uh, guys. Uh, you know, Nate Creer, Devin Mitchell. Um, you know, just Owen mm-hmm. Gill. Uh, they set the bar on what was expected from us as young people. And you know, I will tell you a really cheesy story. uh, yeah. uh Coach Fry used to always do a thing where. Uh, during training camp, you'd have like two weeks. You used to have two days, you know, back in the day before football got changed. Uh, and so, man, it was brutal. I mean, it was six in the morning, The, you know, the horns blown in Slater Hall and you got to walk over and you get breakfast and then you walk to, to the complex and you practice for two hours, ice up, go to lunch, take an hour nap, go back to meetings, go back to practice for two more hours, ice up, go to dinner, come back for meetings at seven o'clock at night. And so like four days went by this and I was just beat because I was a quarterback in high school. I was a finesse guy. And so I switched to tight end and I was just getting crushed the first two years actually of my life there. But the first four days especially were tough. And I'm sitting in the back of the room taking inventory of all my bruises and just going, man, this is, man, this is rough. And so coach Fry used to always let guys get up and talk to the team players and, and it was talk about what winning means to you or talk about what Iowa football means to you. And so it was always great because guys would get up and talk about story about her family and, and, you know, a family member they lost and they were going to dedicate their season and how much it meant to them. Some guys were multi-generational guys talked about their, you know, their brothers, siblings playing or whatever. And, and hat Peterson got a big nose tackle out of Bettendorf and mm-hmm. he gave the story he goes, you know, just so all you guys know where everything's at, he goes, here's the ocean. Here's the, here's the fish, you know, the ocean. here's the lobsters, the trash fish. Down here's all the garbage. Down here, way down here, that's where all the whale crap is. And below <laughs> that, that's where all you freshmen are. I thought I had the confirmation I needed to realize that I had just made one of the worst decisions of my entire life. But he immediately turned the story to say, here's the deal. There's 118 of us or whatever it was in the room we are all Iowa Hawkeyes now and we all have a role on this team. Some are going to play a lot. Some aren't going to play at all. Some are going to play a little bit, but we can all help this team be successful in whatever role we take on. And so we all needed to accept that challenge and really, really understand that that was the ultimate goal of those teams. And, and it was my gosh, my something switched in me, you know, Mm that I do belong here. I I am part of this. This It's something that's bigger than me. And, and uh, I learned a valuable lesson in those first two weeks of getting crushed every day that, you know, if you just stay on task, if you just stay on course, you know, eventually things will work out. And, and, and fortunately for me, they were able to do that.
1: Um, Marv, you mentioned legendary coach uh, Hayden Fry. and He was quoted um, over the years as saying you were one of his favorite players and favorite human beings of all time. It really just seemed like you two had a special relationship. Can you pull us into that relationship that you had with Coach?
2: Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, he was, um, he was a guy that changed the course of my life. I mean, I was a guy in West Branch, Iowa. My folks divorced when I was young and my mom was a single mom working as a nurse and, and trying to, you know, help me pursue my dreams and my goals as best she could on a nurse's salary. And yeah. and help me find the platforms that I could do to try to become an Iowa Hawkeye. And so, um, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was coach Brazier was coach Fry's best friend. They're Texas guys and about the same age classmates or whatever. And so part of being coach Fry's best friend was that coach Brazier's recruiting radius was 10 miles around Iowa city and West France was 8.9. So coach <laughs> Brazier was in charge of recruiting me. Um, and, and he, during the process at one point, he just stood up and told the coaching staff that he would give him a, one of his scholarships if he needed because he wanted me to be a part of the program. And then Coach Fry at one point came over to Mercy Hospital in Iowa City where my mom worked. And, and my mom wasn't – my mom was smart. She wasn't going miss to a, miss a beat with him there. And so she was introducing him to every, every kid. She was on the pediatric unit. So she was introducing him to all the kids, all the nurses, and all the doctors – and when they went and sat in my mom's office, and Coach Fry basically said, "You know, we want your son to be a part of this thing." There was there was nowhere else my mother was going to let me go to college. I can tell you that.
3: <laughs> so, wow. Marv,
2: I, Marv, Gosh, having yeah.
3: So, having grown up in Eastern Iowa, about that same time, you know the uh, the old black and gold bomber jackets were kind of the school uniform unofficially at a lot of places, things like
2: that. Was it always your
3: dream to be a Hawkeye, or had you thought about any going anywhere else? You know,
2: look, you guys will get a kick out. Nebraska people will get a kick out of this. So when I was a probably eighth grader, um, ninth grade, that's well, probably I was probably a sophomore, I was freshman, sophomore in high school, and um, uh, I was digging out a basement with shovel, you know, clay dirt and shovels, and putting on a conveyor belt. And We were shoveling it out to expand the basement for my, my grandma, and it was Saturday, and Iowa was playing Nebraska, in Lincoln, I think, and it, I think it was in Lincoln. And Iowa had a a freshman linebacker named larry station, oh huge huge Nebraska guy, right and um and so I was getting pummeled I mean it's probably forty six to nothing at the time, or i can't I can't remember what it was, but you know I'm shoveling out this dirt and listening to Zobel or you know Gonder, mm-hmm. or whoever it was calling the game and 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 Larry station came in, and they were they were getting excited about Larry Station coming in the game, you know. And then he made a tackle on Turner Gill. I can't, I can't remember. It was, I can't, I, I don't know the player, but Tommy Frazier, one of the great quarterbacks in Nebraska and station hitting for like a two yard loss. And they were going nuts. And it was like 47 to nothing. Right. Yeah. I, like, I want to be a part of that. Nice. Nah. And It was at that point that I was like, I want to, I want to be a Hawkeye. And, and our fan base is just incredible. I mean, you know, they sell out every year since going back to the seventies, you know, it's just sell out, sell out, sell out, sell out. It's just, it's incredible. And, and the support that, that that fan base always provides that team is, uh, is pretty special. So in, um, and, and the fact that, you know, I could go on all day, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> the first time, the first time I wore that Tiger Hawk helmet, it's, it was unbelievable. It was, it was like magical. It was, it was, you know, it, it was, so my freshman year, I, uh-huh. First game they played was Hawaii, at Hawaii. So, uh-huh. I like 60 guys fly to Hawaii, they dress, they get the Tiger Hawk on the helmet. So, they come back, and the next week, practicing, it's a black helmet. I got a black helmet, and everybody else got the Tiger Hawk. Well, there's like 40 of us that have just a black helmet. So, the next game, I think, is on the road at Iowa State or something. So, I didn't travel to that one. So, now another 20 guys got the Tiger Hawk on it. And then, finally, you know, the next home game or whatever, I get a try, I get a dress. So get up from Slater, go to the Hillcrest, get breakfast, get on the bus. They drive us over. We used to we used, our locker room used to be in the other corner up on mm. the right Yeah. So we walked down the four stairs, came into the locker room, walked by the defensive locker room and then walked into the offensive side and there it was. The number 84 jersey. Ooh. And the Tiger hawk helmet and lights shining down on it from above and and in like Gospel music playing because it was the most <laughs> incredible thing. I ever, at least that's the way I remember it. It was the most. Yeah. Incredible it was, and it was there. It was. It was Cook '84 in the Tiger Hockham Helmet. I got dressed, went down to the field, warmed up for 30 minutes, and stood on the sideline for three hours. Didn't play a lick. Didn't. You know mm-hmm. But it was the greatest day that I had had up to my that, that time from an athletic standpoint. because that's what I wanted to do from the time, like I said, I was a freshman sophomore. Did school, so. yeah? How did uh, how did
3: mom react to you being in the uniform the first time? It was she it great,
2: you know. She went to every game. You know, she was the one that was always in the car with the Marv Cook '84. You know, and the license plate cover it was personalized. You know,
1: that's great.
2: Uh, and she would tell the greatest stories, like it, you know, when they pull into Wisconsin or Michigan or something. And, and, and that was a great thing about the Big Ten back then. They were always they'd rib you Mm -hmm. they're always like hey park here you know we'll save a spot for you come back we'll have a beer for you whatever you know after the game so it was uh uh those are just incredible times uh playing in the big 10 back in the
1: 80s i got goosebumps after that story that is awesome
2: it's no lie i mean it was oh it was uh i mean i was emotional when they swarmed out i mean i was really almost crying in my helmet because it was something that you know god bless it i mean it's just I oh. had that swarm thing going and just, I knew I was a part mm-hmm. of something. And and even though I didn't play it down, you know, my oh. freshman year, it was that moment. And then, we, and then at the end of my freshman year, we played in the freedom bowl, the inaugural like 1984 freedom bowl against Texas. Yeah. And we had getting ready to swarm out and a guy who literally, and I, Mike Hooks was his name and he was tough and he was a defensive end linebacker. And he pummeled me all year and literally I thought he only knew my name as an adjective and then my name. Cause he was always cussing at me about something like holding or something or, you know, whatever. And so it was brutal first year, but when we were ready to swarm out, he looked at me and he said, Hey, Marv, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to be okay. And it was at that point that I knew I was on the path that I talked about early that I wanted, yeah. to on, that I was going to, I was moving in the right direction. And, So the best two moments of me in Iowa were probably those two moments. Obviously, we'll probably get to the Ohio State thing. But the Ohio (laughs) State thing would have never happened if we didn't have those first two. You know what I'm saying? It was of the process.
1: Did something happen with Ohio State?
2: (laughs) Exactly.
1: man i am so jacked right now i could run through a wall that is what it's all about like that right there is like if anybody could say the embodiment of what it is to be a hawkeye like that couldn't have been said better and the one thing that kind of makes me a little bit sad about it is like you know that story about working in your grandmother's basement like that's such a good story you're listening to the game and you hear that and you're like i want to be a part of that i don't think and you tell me if i'm wrong marv because you've been you're you've been closer to it with coaching uh with your coaching career but I, I don't feel like kids think that way anymore I I you know from what I hear and see it's more like okay they're getting blown out I don't want to go to that school I don't want to get blown out like that they're not going to catch a moment like you did and you know really have that emotional intelligence to lock into the, the excitement and the energy behind it
2: yeah I think a lot of times uh and, and I you know obviously every everybody's unique everybody's different even you know even back in the the day coach Fry used to tell people, Hey, you know, you know, I'd walk in, be tying my shoes. He'd say, Hey, you know what this weekend is? And he, you know, he'd say something like, Hey, we're playing Michigan this weekend. I was like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. And And then he, you know, the next person next to me would be sitting there and he'd be like, you know, the difference, you know, what Saturday is right. The Difference between driving a BMW and a VW, you know, and he was motivating us all in our own unique ways. And that was, Mm -hmm. that was his greatest strength was he was just an incredible communicator And, you know, every time he talked to us as a team, I swear to God, he was talking right to me. I mean, there was one time in practice, it was hot, it was miserable. You know, and after practice, we went and had a meeting and he was like, oh, you guys were being, you know, working hard today. And you were walking back. And I'm like, he caught me that one time, Mm -hmm. you know, because I thought he was talking right to me. That one time I walked back to the huddle, he caught me. But I just I felt like every time he was giving us a message, it was directed to me, and I, and I honestly think every one of my teammates felt the exact same way when he was communicating with us. Uh, was a uniquely special guy, um, and like I said, he 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 gave me the opportunity to continue to pursue my dreams and goals athletic, athletically as well as academically. And and you were talking about it, you know, I'm I'm I love to be a historian, and I love the story of Jack Trice and now Kinnick and. Yeah. In, in the history of the programs and stuff, so you know when I when I chose to go to a school, the football was a part of it, but I was going to the school. You know, I wanted I wanted the full atmosphere of campus, studying, you know, walking over the river, you know, all that stuff that came with being a, a student athlete, and not just the football aspects of it. And I, and I think, unfortunately, now kids. You know, they, when they when they do their signing day, they am going to take my talents to some school for the next three years because they're all thinking they're going to go to the NFL, right? Yeah. You know, they they're eligible after three years, and instead of hey, I'm going to go to you know this university so I can get a great degree in this thing, and oh by the way, I'm going to spend the next four or five years with you know a hundred like-minded people, you know, who are hopefully sharing the same dreams and goals and aspirations that I have athletically, and uh, we can pursue them together. You know. Yeah. So, so Marv, take us into that. I, I, I got
3: a question like a part A and a part B, but your, your freshman year then was the 1985 season, wasn't it? Yes. 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 As a freshman coming in, number one was how, um, you know, what that ride in 1985, I mean, everybody knows the legacy that team has, but I mean, as an incoming freshman like yourself, I mean, you talk about your first impressions wearing the Tiger Hawk, but I mean, that just that whole experience being your very first year in Iowa city. I mean, take us kind of behind the face mask on that one. And then secondly, if you can confirm we were doing some stats research and one of the pages we came across said you had an extra point that season. Yeah. Was that in, was that incorrect? Was that I was the most prolific kicker in Iowa football history. I, I <laughs> never missed. All I right. Never missed. All right. So behind the 85 sure. season and then tell us about, tell us about the extra point. We got to hear about this.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So coming in at first year, um, was the first year was the freedom bowl, like I said, and then the second year was the Rose bowl year, which was amazing, but you, you just, you, you knew, um, you know, if, if you knew, if, you knew if you heard Brent Musburger's voice in the, in the complex, it was a big game, yeah. you know, and, and we had a bunch of those games, man. And, and, and the Michigan, you know, 12, 10 game, uh, when Howland kicked the field goal late against Michigan to the victory in, in, you know, you you think Iowa storms the field now? Trust me, it was it was. I mean, I, you know, and I'm biased, obviously. You know, I, I've stormed the field in the last couple of years at Iowa too, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but but it was, you know, when you beat Michigan 12-10 back in the '80s, it was a big deal and uh, first night game, I think, in Kinnick. I think they said, but just amazing. And then we go to Columbus, Ohio. And we're ranked right, number one, I think, at the time. And and then they just it was a rainy day and it was brutal. And it's the loudest I've ever heard a stadium uh that day. And and they they got after us pretty good. But you know, you you just knew it was a special group. I mean that, that group, that leadership group that they had uh was phenomenal. And you know, you just you know, I was just like I said, as a young person doing special teams, I just wanted to do my part in any way I could and and Be a part of the process, and and uh, it was so much fun to be a part of. It was really, really special. All right, so that's oh, then, the, the then, extra
3: point question. Yeah, so
2: I'm a, I'm a, I think I was a redshirt freshman, and and uh, we 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 were scored we scored way too much. So Rob Howland, Curtis Lay, kicking too much. <laughs> <laughs> <So> Coach, Fry, <laughs> Coach, Fry me, Coach Fry threw me in, man. I I hammered it through, and I swear to God, it barely made it over the, the bar. I, I hit it so low. <laughs> I was a straight-on kicker. I hit it so low that thing was spinning hard and it barely went over there but it, it was good extra how, mu- how much practice had you had before that march? No, he had actually worked me a little bit and you know you guys mm-hmm. I, I kicked off uh i, I kicked off when howling got hurt that that first second year uh second and third year and then my fourth and fifth year i actually punted uh so we had some issues with our punters were getting hurt so i actually punted in my fourth and fifth year um a little bit so you know i was a kid in west branch man i just was i was gonna do whatever it Whatever I could, you know, to play, and and uh, so it was, it was, it was just so much fun to be a part of it. And
1: People think that although, kicking. Although I, I oh, God, also up? Go.
2: I love Coach Fry, but if I didn't kick it out of the end zone, he'd come and yell at me, <laughs> and so I'd get so frustrated. Like in the late in the third quarter, I'm, you know, I just played fifty snaps at tight end, getting crushed by, you know, getting, you know, whatever. And I, I I wouldn't get it kicked out of the end zone and he would come find me. You know, I'd come, I'd try to jump run off like at a 10 yard line and then walk behind, you know, and he'd come find me. He goes, Barb, you got to kick it out of the end zone. You know, and I'm like, what are you going to do? You know, I'm just trying to help out here best I can, but, um, but I, I love him for it, you know, cause mm. you know, to his, he, he expected me to win and he expected me to be great. And, and uh, I always wanted to not ever let him down, and um, I love him for it. So,
1: all right, Jerry, you got to set the stage for this epic Ohio State play. I mean, you were watching that one, I'm sure, live <laughs> as a kid. So, hey. I was, I was just a twi- twinkle in my mom's eye at that time.
3: <laughs> hey, everybody knows you're you, you know you're at the shoe. You, you're down to Ohio State, one play left, and uh, let's just let's that's all the setup it needs. So. Or did I, did I get too quick to the punch there, Adam? Are you? Nope. Uh
1: Let's talk about the amazing play, like the, the call from the radio on that. I mean, those guys were jacked. That was amazing.
2: You know, honestly, the the, the best thing about that whole thing was is it wasn't live on TV. It was a two hour delayed broadcast. So, you know, 99% of all Hawk fans were listening on the radio and that's, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's how they heard it. That's how, that's how they knew what happened. And, um, You know, it it was an incredible game back and forth. Kevin Harmon was phenomenal for us. Chuck Hartley was phenomenal late, you know, had stitches. He got hit on a fourth down conversion um, that we converted in that last drive and and busted him up under the chin and stayed in the game. And, you know, just – and what I'll tell you is, you know, we practice it. I mean, it was stuff we practiced over and over again. We prepared, uh, you know, crowd noise, you know, third down execution, fourth down execution, two-minute offense. Uh, it was just, it was, it became just routine. and became habit. The One thing I will tell you, it literally, you could not hear uh, in the huddle. I mean, Chuck Hartley was yelling, you know, Lion 75, you know, y, you know W go Y trail, you know, in the, in the count. And you literally had to lean in and, and literally almost try to read lips and understand what was going on. And then he broke the huddle. And, you know, we go out and we execute it. And, and you know, the way I tell the story is that, Chuck unfortunately underthrew me because of my speed and I had to reach back and, <laughs> down and catch it. But it was actually, we, we, you know, we practiced it over and over and over again. We used to run a lot of seam routes and Chuck, if if the guy was even with me or in front of me, Chuck was going to back shoulder it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what he did right here is he just threw it back shoulder. And the guy was, it was two man. The guy was running with me. The guy just ran by, was able to adjust on the ball and and then just try to split the defenders and, 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 and to have, I'm going to tell you guys, and you guys have been all over, seen stadiums all over the place, but but to have 77,000 people go from a deafening roar mm-hmm. to an eerie silence, but having 1,500 Iowa fans clear up in the corner <laughs> of, the, of the stadium going crazy yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it was truly one of the amazing um, moments. You know, obviously in my career, and to get Coach Fry and the staff their first victory in Columbus, Ohio, was a great treat for me and, and our, our teammates my teammates so um you know just just blessed to be able to be a part of it
1: jerry one of the one of the guys beat on that play i believe the research team told us bo pelini was in on that
2: he's one of the guys tackling trying to tackle me there at the
3: end yeah that's what i thought at the goal line yeah yeah so you know a little bit extra than when he becomes a coach at nebraska you know just a little bit something to make you feel a little better about it
2: and
3: you know when i when i hear that mark you talk about uh who and listen to on the radio but you know i remember uh like in the week after that they were talking, and when Zabel's voice cracks, they said decibel wise it went like a tone or two o- higher than a opera singer's yeah. and uh, you know that was one of the great things was Zabel always brought that character I mean, what were your interactions with Jim Zabel like we've never really asked anybody too much about yeah. their their past with him just great I mean just
2: you know you knew he he loved he he had the best job in the world for Jim Zobel you know it was just he's something it was his passion his love and and he always shared that with us whenever he talked to us, when every interview this, and you could, you could hear it in his voice when he called an Iowa Hawkeye foot, you know, whatever game he was calling was, was always a great uh, experience. And so, you know, similar to similar to the Dolph, you know, I mean, it's just uh, Gary Mm -hmm. Dolph, very similar in that regards. And, you know, those memories, I mean, I, you know, people, I've had so many great stories of, you know, some guy was working in his garage and he hit his head on his, his car, you know, and fell uh, all over. some track, some guy was driving his tractor and swerved all over his field, you know, and disced up everything he wasn't supposed to do. But I mean, it was, um, you know, I, I was fortunate. I was fortunate enough to, to, like I said, have great teammates. Um, they were able to actually, cause it, that, you know, that play doesn't happen without David Hudson doing what he's supposed to do. Devin Harbert's Travis Watkins, you know, all the guys that were, were fighting the fight, um, you know, we're all a big part of that uh that victory yeah. and um you know just right. yeah. So it was Saturday night in in, in Iowa City that night it was a lot of fun. So all right.
3: So okay, so we're gonna put you on the spot here. Marv Cook's opinion. You know, nothing scientific, just your own personal opinion. Greatest catch in Iowa history. Marv Cook beating Ohio State or the Capital One catch, the Warren Holloway?
2: Yeah, you know, that's um God, that's a great question. Uh I obviously obviously the uh, Tate throw to Holloway was amazing. You know, the, the, the setup, uh, January one, you know, bowl game obviously had a lot to do with it. Uh, so, you know, it's, I learned a long time ago, especially when you get older that, you know, all those, You know, I keep dropping down the, you know, the catch yeah. list every year. Seems like so, and that's and that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, because hmm. at the end of the day, we, you always want, um, you know, Iowa does a great thing where they, you know, leave the jersey in a better place. Uh, and you know, you always want the guys that follow after you to hopefully, you know, be able to catapult on the things that you were able to pro- provide or help with the, the years prior, but ultimately to take it on to a better level.
1: Mar, before we dig into your NFL career and your high school coaching career, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about your family. Um, okay. You have three great kids. have all been very successful. Um, Drew, Logan, and Ashton, um, and then your wife, Tracy. Tell us about your family, where you guys are living now, and, and what you guys are all up to.
2: I live here in Iowa City. I live like a mile and a half from Kinnick Stadium. So I'm right on Melrose uh, for the most part. So. Wow uh i've been here for 20 25 years uh when, when i finished up in the nfl we started my wife and i started to buy a house build a house and then um after we got in our our son our first son drew was born uh six months later so it's we've been here ever since and Iowa city's obviously an amazing campus um you know the great thing about iowa city i still feel like that 23 year old kid because it's all kind of still iowa city it's the mm-hmm. university and yeah, You know, so there's a lot more buildings down by the hospital. There's no more green grass down there, but, um, but you still, it's still got that college feel and you just, you know, my body feels like I'm 56, but my mind, I still think I'm like 23. So, but anyway, so I, my wife's, my wife's from Albia, Iowa, great, you know, south, Southwestern Iowa girl, um, uh, married her in 1995. And then we've had three children. Drew was uh, uh, played football here at Iowa as a quarterback tight end. Uh, my daughter Logan is on the basketball team here right now with the girls program. And then my youngest son Ashton is a freshman up at Iowa state on the football team up there. So, um, and just been, you know, been blessed to, to have a career that I I'm in, that I'm able to, you know, coach youth sports, uh, support them as much as possible, uh, you know, get as many shots up as I can and, and all that stuff with the kids that you want to do I like, Sure. I never, you know, I just, Never wanted to regret, um, you know, especially these formative years when they were really, really young. So I I probably sacrificed, you know, my business career to some extent to uh, to make sure that, you know, I was always trying to be a really, really good dad to them. So that's ultimately what I'm I think I'm on this earth to do is to be a really good dad to them.
1: Well, that's great. I mean, let's, talk, let's be honest, at the end of the day, nobody ever wishes they would have worked more. Everyone always says, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. So that's a great perspective.
2: Uh, so, yeah, so I, um, yeah, I live here in Iowa City. Um, don't know how my youngest got away, but uh, he's been blessed. Coach Campbell is doing an amazing job. Uh, that whole staff has been a blessing to uh, to his first experience up there. He went up there to the summer school and then the, the first fall Um, had a really good experience with the the teammates and and with the staff. So he's in a great spot, feels really good about it. um, It's, uh, you know, like I said, as long as, you know, the the interesting thing, you kind of have a new perspective, but, you know, when Iowa plays Iowa State, the state of Iowa wins, you know, is the way I look at it, because there's, there's great, great young men on both sides of the ball when that game's going on. Yeah. So go ahead, Marvin, take us then into,
3: you know, you, you, you get drafted by the Pats third round, I believe, you know, and, and you go into the Patriots and, uh, you know, take us, what was, you talked about Iowa city and what that was like, take us into your
2: first year in the NFL. You would have
3: ended up, I believe I was a
2: West branch guy. I, I the reason I knew it was 8.9 miles. Cause my track team ran to Iowa city for a practice one time. It was 8.9 miles. Um, So, you know, West Branch, Iowa City, and then I'm in, in – literally I fly into Logan Airport and a guy picks me up in a, like a hatchback car and he's got a big-ass hockey bag with a puck and, and the, the stick and the blades. I'm like, I've never seen a hockey mm-hmm. stick before in real life. You know? the Boston obviously loves their hockey. And, and so that whole thing, that whole buildup is interesting because I, I can't remember how many teams were in the NFL at the time, 24 or 25 or whatever it is. I had talked to 23 of them on the phone during the process of working out and combine and of mm. the two that I didn't New England was one of them and uh, to get drafted by them in the third round I was shocked I was actually hoping to go to the 49ers um, they had sent me a test to take three days before the draft and I took it overnight in it back called me a day before the draft said they liked me I uh, really thought I'd be a good fit because they you know if you remember that's when you know, Montana and Rice mm-hmm. and were throwing the ball all over the place. So I was like, man, this could be great. You know, go to 49ers. And so they had the last pick of the second round and I'm like, this could be it. I'm sitting with my brothers and I'm like, this could be the one, you know, and they picked a guy out of Ole Miss, tight end at Ole Miss. Great player, great guy, Wesley Walls. He was a two-way mm-hmm. player in college. Ended up having a decent career in the NFL for the 49ers and then the Carolina Panthers. Um, and I just was sick. I just walked out of my house. I had a little draft party for my family and friends. I walked out in my backyard and it was just like, "How does what happened?" You know, and and then literally my brother comes out like 15 minutes later and says, "Hey, dude, you just got drafted by the Patriots." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and I hadn't talked to him at all. And uh-huh. So they called me and said, "Hey, you know, we got to get you out of here as quick as possible." And you know, because I was a stand-up tight end, and you know, they were running the ball like 50 times a game. That was when they were. Uh, had Craig James and and were running the ball a ton, and uh, I was like, dude, why? You know, I mean, you know, but it but it ultimately ended up working out great. I loved my experience in New England. Um, unfortunately, Andre Tippett was there, which was great. Uh, Have nice. another Hawkeye, but unfortunately, my first five years in New England, it wasn't. Everybody thinks the New England Patriots Super Bowl champs. But, uh, we weren't Super Bowl champs when I was there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, had, I had four coaches in five years. And I had four different owners in five years, so it was a.
3: Uh, a, it, a tough, it just tough, uh, it just makes you hundred. it just makes you stand out more because you were a two-time All-Pro with bad teams. So I mean, you know, Marv, that just that just means that was just that shows a testament to how great a player you were. Yeah.
2: So yeah, that's <laughs> it's good. And, it's good and bad because if you got to throw it every down, it's good because you're going to catch a lot of balls. But if you're throwing every down the safeties, uh yeah. you know, and uh, that is the one thing that's changed about the game. That if you ever want to get into the evaluation of what the game was like 25 years ago versus now if you went in motion and Ronnie Lott was on the other side of the field, I can promise you, I was watching to see where he ended up because uh-huh. uh, if the ball was in the air, I wanted to know exactly where he was. He was a, he, he, he was, was a hitter. hitter. Yeah. But he oh. was a- hitter. Um,
3: so just real quick uh, before we uh, move beyond that, who was your quarterback room, Marv, when you were there?
2: So I had uh initially uh, Steve Grogan, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Easton was there during camp. Um, and then Mark Wilson came in from the Raiders. Uh, we had Scott Zolak from uh, Maryland Terrapins. Uh, Hugh Millen came in. Uh, Jeff Carlson. I mean, we had it was a plethora. Tommy Hodson, um, right. and then so the one- came in uh, my last year there. He was drafted.
3: That's what I was thinking was Drew's on the end, but was that was that at, uh, was Flutie on the Patriots? Yeah, Doug that Flutie time? was there. Yep, Doug was Flutie. Was there okay, for a
2: year year and a half. Yep, I forgot about uh-huh. him. <laughs> it's, 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 so, it's, I mean, literally, I played. I I caught. Passes from probably fifteen different quarterbacks in five right.
1: seasons. Win, and it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Jerry was hilarious because I was talking talking to my son and telling him about Marv and his career, and he goes, "He played for the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many? How many? How many Super Bowls did he win?" And I said, "Well, that yeah. was a different time at that era. The Patriots weren't what they are today." Yeah. And so he looks it up and he goes, "That's not the Patriots and the the red uniforms and yeah, the white yeah, helmet." Yeah. And he was like that they used to wear those uniforms. And I was like, yeah, they're kind of cool, aren't they? And he's like, yeah, I actually like them better than what yeah. they wear now. Yeah. They're it's classic like, look. Cool.
3: Yeah. yeah. yeah." And then, so, uh, uh, you, and they were just a couple of years off that 85 appearance against the bears. Um, and then uh, you ended up on the bears for a season after the Patriots. Didn't you
2: yeah. So probably my biggest mistake uh, in, in the NFL was Bill Parcells came in and I, mm-hmm. and I loved, it. It was, I mean, he was a phenomenal coach knew, he knew his pedigree and everything. And, and I literally was coming off a of pro Bowl uh, and I checked into to camp uh, mini camp and he told me that I wasn't going to start and it, it just caught me off guard a little bit but I knew he was right because the guy behind me was a guy named Ben Coates who mm-hmm. literally when he, when they drafted him when I, my third year I called my agent like the next week and said hey you guys got to find me another job because this guy's <laughs> incredible yeah and I was able to hold him off for like a year year and a half while I was learning the ropes and and so, but I but I admired that about Parcells because he told me right up front, straight with me, and he told me what he expected of me, you know. And I tried to do that the best I could. Um, you know, ego gets hurt a little bit, you know. But but ultimately, I I I love being a part of it. But then you know, I had this chance to go to Chicago and, and maybe get more playing time and come closer to home. And so I just I took it. And then I probably you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have stayed with the Patriots, especially when Mister Kraft took over. Mm-hmm. Ownership and you know that just everything the trajectory just took off. Uh, yeah, when he when he solidified the ownership there, and and everybody knew that the New England Patriots were going to stay in Foxborough. So, so I, go,
3: I got to ask Marv. I know it was only one season. It was your only playoff season, I believe. but I've been a lifelong Bears fan. You can see the helmet behind me. So I, got I was, I was le- waiting I got, for it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> you know, one of my kids is actually named uh, Peyton for Walter. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just give me one, you know, what's your favorite memory on the bears from that season?
2: Oh, um, uh, it's, it's a great question. Um, for me, it was just the history of being in soldier field. I mean, you, if you ever, you know, the, the, you walk the stadiums here, the, the end zone, on the uh, north side it's kind of blocked off and then behind it is like it's like an old coliseum like an old stadium type thing and we parked back in there and 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 just the history of soldier field i mean it just was phenomenal for me and like you talked about just to to think of the games that have been played there you know we played in green bay and and to be in Lambeau, and actually kind of walking around on it i think this is where the ice bowl was right here right here is where that happened you know and and the history of that division was pretty incredible to me and and so I was excited about that, that aspect of it. But it was, it was great. We, you know, um, Merrill Hodge came in. Andy Heck came in. Eric Kramer came in with me with, with me as free agents. And um, unfortunately, my first, I went to minicamp, dove for a ball, and I caught it, but then I, my face mask dug in the ground, and I actually herniated a disc in my neck. Mm. So I come home, mm. and I'm playing catch like three days later, and I'm throwing the ball, and the ball's like going straight sideways. And I'm like, what the heck? And so my, the, the nerve was getting pushed. And so yeah. I had to miss like the next 10 weeks. And I kind of had a slow start when I was in Chicago. But um, but it was actually a great year. We actually made the playoffs, won our first playoff game, a wild card game against the Vikings. And then we got beat by the 49ers. The year that they won it was Steve Young. So, um, you know, if you're going yeah. to get knocked out, get knocked out by the team that wins it, you know, I guess is the way we kind of looked at it, or at least, at least the way I looked at it. but Yeah. And then I said I went to the Rams, and I, when I signed with them, they were the LA Rams. Mm-hmm. But then they came to St. Louis like two months later. So, uh, mm-hmm. so my, my last year in the league was in St. Louis, and and uh, had a great experience there. So,
3: so kind of an interesting, you know, bookends because your time at the Patriots, as we said, was just after you know a few years within uh, after their Super Bowl appearance in '85, and then you ended up on the Rams and finishing out, you know, within about few years of before the greatest show off turf comes yeah, along, yeah. you know, did, did you see any of the, when you started with the Rams, they probably were starting to get maybe a few people here and there. Did you see the seeds of anything brewing in St. Louis while you were? Yeah. There? Mike
2: Marks uh, coach Martz was our offensive guy. Um, was, a, was a quarterback coach kind of, I think he might've been the offensive coordinator at the time too. And he was just, he was brilliant. I mean, he was, he was a lot like Bill Snyder, uh-huh. um, you know, just from an X and O standpoint in a, in a, matchup standpoint, always trying to figure out the best way to get guys positioned and, and matching them up. So I kind of knew that there was something going there. Um And then there was some guys, young guys, Isaac Bruce uh, was there. Uh, Kevin Green was a draft pick from there, and he was mm-hmm. up and cover. Um, uh, DeMarcus um, Farr, I think, was um, was a great D-tackle. Uh, I mean, so they, they had the pieces starting to develop there that were going to make it a special place and a special team and and um yeah so unfortunately i just i had i missed my window i'm in my (laughs) new england window and then the the rams window is just i'm just a little too early a little too late but uh, (laughs) i honestly i love every every minute every second that i did it i did it seven years uh and then in my last game i literally walked out you know my wife and I were walking across the field on the way to our car and I was like I think I've had enough of this and it's time to go do something else so you know that 1995 that was a decision we made
0: Hmm. and and
2: also I I say I made that decision I was getting to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore I had turf toe it sounds really crazy but it just it just took the fight right out of me because it just hurts to walk it hurts to push off Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I was kind of winding, winding down at the time. Anyway, but I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just too much. It's 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 pretty hard on you. It's uh, it's a, it's obviously I loved it, but it physically can take a toll.
1: Well, Marv, we really wanted. To, I got like a million other questions I want to ask you. Just from every every story you tell, I think of like ten things I want to talk to you about. But I, like I said, I got to stay on task. I struggle I'm just with that. Glad being, you guys
2: such... are listening, being able to listen. To this. Oh, this is <laughs> great! I'm kind of, I'm kind like of this. Radar, you know, it's so, like, yeah, no, yeah. this is
1: what we love. Uh, like, this is like Jerry and I eat this up. Like, this is, this is the greatest. Um, we want to talk about your, your coaching career. Okay. So I don't know if every Hawkeye fan outside of the Iowa city area really knows about your coaching career. You ended up being the head coach at Regina, which is the biggest rival to where you went yeah, to school, yeah. which is very interesting and I, you know, I read on there too about, you know, you, you got your jersey retired at your rival. It, it just is so interesting. I was going to joke. I thought I'm like, geez, the closest thing that Jerry and I would get anything retired, we like our t-shirts at like Golden Corral or something like that. But <laughs> t- t- walk us, walk us through that, that, your coaching career. Cause it was a, you were extremely, an extremely successful high school coach and, uh, just coaching at the rival. To the biggest rival to where you played, where you grew up. Well, what was that experience like?
2: Yeah, you know, it was my. So I grew up Lutheran. My wife's Catholic. So, um, and my wife wanted our kids to go to the Catholic school at Regina. So, um, and Lutheran's basically Catholic light. So, it's a little religious mm-hmm. lesson here tonight. But,
0: but anyway, so okay.
2: when my kids were at Regina, um, the job came open when they were younger. And I just I wasn't ready and just in a place where I just wanted to jump in yet. Uh, but then it came open again. Again, and I was like, you know, I, this is what I want to do. This is a, this is a, you know, coaching is a calling. It's, it, it's, you know, I, I, I always wanted to be able to use the platforms that coaching provided to ultimately help kids, you know, become better versions of themselves and everything else that they're doing besides football. Uh, yeah. Because inevitably, when I was, when I was in, you know, a ninth, seventh or eighth grader. And I told the high school football coach, he asked me, What do you want to do, Marvin? I told him I want to play in the National Football League. And he's one of the first guys that didn't laugh. He was like, Hey, but here's the deal. You're serious about that. There's a lot of things you need to do differently and change some things that you're doing right now to, to get on that path. And so he was one of the first guys that you know showed me, Here's how you can do it. If you want to really, if you're willing, really w- willing to put the time and the commitment in, then here's what you need to do. And so I wanted to be able to do that. And so you know, I jumped in, and, and the best thing that prepared me for it was coaching third-grade girls' softball.
1: Really? You,
2: you can do that when we get <laughs> when they're playing with baseball, you know, softball bats. And, and if you can get through that without anybody getting hurt and stuff, you can coach fo- high school football. That's, that's my opinion. But anyway, so I just, I just love the, the platforms that it provides us. You know, I, I played for the best. I played for, you know, my high school coaches, Tom Nosbush, Butch Peterson, uh, my college coaches, you know, across the board. You know, I mean, you guys know the story, you, you, you especially, Jerry, when the, when I was there, dude, man, it was just Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. It was not <laughs> McCartney, Alvarez, you know, Patterson, yeah, oh, Snyder, yeah. Stoops, Stoops, Stoops. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, coach Jackson was a phenomenal coach, coached in the yeah. you know, San Francisco 49ers, coached Barry Davis and, or Barry uh, Sanders in the Pro Bowl. It's, it was just they were amazing. Mm-hmm. And so what better way to, you know, if I can just take all what I've learned from them, you know, and, and just and yeah. build ourselves and Dave Wonstadt and, um, you know, Raymond Berry, who's my first coach in the NFL. And just, oh, my gosh, if I can just try to, you know, encapsulate all that and put it in a, a platform and a process for these kids. And that's what we tried to do. And then, I'm, you know, I'm a smart guy that, you know, I live here in Iowa City, got a bunch of former Hawks. I went and got him. You know, and I said, hey, come coach with us. And they did. Ed Hinkle, Jason Dumont, Alex Canellis you know, uh, Mike Haight. over the years. You know, so it's just, we have Mark Mitchell's been there. And so it's just Jim Poynton. I mean, it's, you know, well, I'm stupid if I don't, right? Because they have yeah. the same mentality as me. They went through the same system as me. And so, um, and we coached hard and our kids work hard. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, what I'll say is, we, you know, we're obviously a parochial school in a big city, um, you know, but we did you know, we didn't recruit kids. I mean, some kids came there to, to do athletics or whatever, but, but, you know, when we lined up, we played Cedar Rapids Xavier, we played Pleasant Valley, the 4A school, we play Solon all the time, you know, and and our kids always wanted to be challenged. They always wanted to see how good they could become. And, uh, you know, when I retired, I truly meant it. That it's just, you know, the, the one lesson that I you know wanted to share with them was I, I, You know, after learning and seeing what they could achieve when they really set their mind to something that I, I can believe that they can become anything that they want to be. Right. Yeah. And I believe in them from that standpoint and and the power of seeing it work when you, when you put that time in that process and that, you know what, if I, if I surround myself with like-minded people, like I talked about earlier, and we share the shared common goals and interests and we want to move forward on this thing we can accomplish great things. And, and fortunately, our kids are able to do a lot of that. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, and let's not gloss over. I mean, our 56-game
3: winning streak from 2010 to 2013, you know, and then seven straight titles, straight state titles. And, you know, you don't, I want, to know def- you don't want to know how we lost that 57th
2: game, by the way. So I won't bring you Maybe we'll talk about that other time okay oh, okay see, but I, that's I, I, the I, I, one you remember that's the one yeah, you, always, you well. always
3: remember the ones you lose yeah, and, sure. you know, i'm 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 a west des moines dowling graduate so of course dowling has their amazing string of six straight but we always had to hear about well you know regina had the seven straight yeah. so you know thanks for that we just yeah. it took it was just a little bit of a chink in our armor here as we were trying to take pride in what we did but you know it was just such a great coaching career you had at regina and i mean it's you know it's uh to, to go from being a playing legend to a coaching legend. Um, so I mean it's it, it's phenomenal, but so as a coach, we want to play a little game with you here, okay, um, okay. and this this strictly goes from your coaching career. It's called the Hat Did You ever okay, and we're going to see how much of an influence Hayden Fry had on you. so okay.
1: are you ready for this, Adam? No, I am not. Where is, I don't know what I don't know where you're at on this one. Right. are you
3: going off script here? No, 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 no. You just need to do your homework a little bit better before these. But
1: all right. So as well, a I coach, apologize, as a
3: coach, did you ever first one wear aviator sunglasses and white pants on the sidelines? Never, never. That's trademark. That's trademark, in my opinion. All right. Did That's you at hallowed, least have a must?
2: ground. That is hallowed ground. I would never do that. Yeah.
3: Did you even attempt the mustache at all?
2: No, no. Can't no, grow a mustache. All right, yep. all
3: right, Did you ever use any colorful analogies like scratch where it itches or a high porch picnic or anything like that?
2: 100%, yes, yes,
3: definitely. Yeah. Were they Coach Fry's analogies, or did you have any of your own? A lot of them.
2: Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, we uh, – you know, I, I had six, seven guys on the staff that, you know, knew Coach Fry well and, and you know, had, had sat through those meetings and, and those after-practice stories. We used to have a thing called Cheer. You know, after after every practice, you get everybody up, and you know you have tough practices, hard practices too. It was hot, whatever, cold. You know, two and a half hours getting ready for Michigan, and you have a thing called a cheer, and it was basically just someone could get up and tell a joke, you know, or somebody yeah. could get up and talk a story or tell something motivational. But it was just it was always some way to bring us all together, and and so uh, we used a lot of that too with what we did, but all the time Pre-game speeches, all the time was was taken stealing if you're not stealing from coaches that you love and admire then you're not coaching in my opinion Yeah. all right did you ever
3: <laughs> did you ever have the guards and tackles snap the ball in pregame to mess with the other coach no, or trash talk do the that. other coaches
2: no. in <laughs> high school that happens all the time anyway so you, you just try, you just, hopefully it doesn't happen during the game so I've never right. that. that's actually a great ploy but yeah
3: all right, so the last one we'll throw at you here, and it'd be it, it goes back to your time with Iowa and Hayden Fry. Did you ever run a standing two tight end set on offense so that the tight ends could survey the uh, defense while
2: they were while they before the ball got snapped? Every single time, uh, it was the best. It was, uh, in fact, I mean, I mean, think about this. You watch Chiefs, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 what we did. I mean, the, the Chiefs now with Kelsey, they're moving them around, which is we did a little bit of that. But that's all they're trying to do is they're just trying to get him so he's not going to get jammed up on the line of scrimmage. You know, you put your, you put your hand in the dirt in front of a defensive end or a linebacker, they're going to jam you and, and, and harass you to get off-line of scrimmage. But if you're standing up, you know, you can you can arc release. You can kind of get out of there a little bit quicker, uh, especially if you're moving. And to me, it just shows you the innovation that Coach Fry and Coach Snyder and Coach Patterson, all those guys, brought to to the offense when they were doing that, you know, 30-plus 30, 30 years ago. No, I, t- yeah. I will tell you, there's some pitchers like on a fourth down and one on the one-yard mm-hmm. line and you're in a stand-up position and you're looking down at a guy in a four-point stance and you're going, how am I going to block that guy? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just kind of fall on him, you know, and hopefully he doesn't get too much penetration. But um, yeah. but honestly, it gets back to what we talked about earlier with Coach Patterson. I mean, I- I'd get to the line of scrimmage and and I was literally looking for safeties, I was checking out where the weak side linebacker was because if, you know, if he was rotated or bumped over, that means that the Sam on my side can be coming blitzing or slicing inside. And all those cues kind of helped me. If, if the safety's coming down now, I know this guy doesn't have contain. So he's in inside leverage. And if I know what he's probably going to do, I got a huge advantage offensively. Right. Mm-hmm. And so all that stuff that we were doing just helped us be prepared. And, and I, you know, when I played that, that, my 88 year, my senior year, um, we probably ran check with me. You know, we just – it was check with me. Get to the line of scrimmage and we'd call the play on the line of scrimmage. Chuck would, you know, see what they were doing. And then we'd always try to see what coverage they were in in front. And then, you know, Co- you know Coach Schneider had a checklist of, hey, if they're in this look, you know, if you get a, if you get a four-man front, you get a cover three look, we're going to go seams. We're going to go square out, you know, and and, and you're almost giggling. Because you're almost like you're standing there waiting, and you go like, I know what he's going to say. I know what Chuck's going to say. <laughs> he calls it, and then you just start, you know, licking your fingers, going, I know the ball's coming to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I just run the right route, I'm going to get open. You know, and and so it was, just, it was so much fun, uh, you know, to be innovative and to be, you know, cutting edge offense. I, I felt like we were anyway, and and um, a lot of times that can make up for lack of talent. And um, but it just you know, all five of my years, the experiences that you know i was able to share with my teammates which just was phenomenal so, and um i was i went down to texas when, when coach fry was starting to fail a little bit and i was I was fortunate enough to be able to be with him and you know probably two three months before he passed and still sharp man still talking about my third grade teacher and she he knew <laughs> her name you know and wow and, and just it was he's amazing i mean he was truly a once-in-a-lifetime guy um and what he's done for Iowa football, mm. I, mean, God, I mean, think of, you know, look at look at you guys' offices. I mean, it's beautiful, and it's just, <laughs> you know, and I mean, the, you know, the one thing I will say when I was at Iowa five years, every time we took the field, I thought we were going to win. I, it didn't matter who we were playing. I, I felt like we knew we were prepared. We knew we'd worked hard. We knew we'd done everything we possibly could. And, and we were instilled with the confidence that, you know what, we, we we should win this game. If we go out and play the way we're capable of playing, we should win this game. And it was just, you know, that's all you ever want, right? It's just the opportunity I mean, yeah. to and, and to have a chance and, um, you know that was the greatest thing about my five years' experience. I think. Yeah.
3: yeah. So, Marv, real quick, you touched on. it. You were uh, talked about the. Did you know you were going to get the ball at Ohio State on that play?
2: Uh, I had an idea, especially when I left. I mean, so it, it sounds weird, but when I took off, you weren't. Quite, you you kind of you saw two shell or whatever, but you weren't sure if it was two zone or you know mm-hmm. you kind of thought it'd be two zone, twenty zone. You know, two high safeties and, and then now everybody's running the quarters where the the corners press, but then they bail and then now you got quarter, quarter, quarter. So there's really no stuff in there. So I kind of thought we'd be in two, two zone. But then when I took off, the guy came with me and then I knew it was two man. And so literally, like I said, I'm running and I, I kind of know if he's throwing it to me, which he probably, there's a good chance he could. And of course he throws it back shoulder and I stop and the guy runs by and, you uh, know, and then I bounced across, you know, the old turf back in the day was like hard as a rock, you know, mm-hmm. and so, you know oh. uh, but um, it was, um, it was, so, so you had, you had a confidence level. It was coming though. Yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I, it was, you know, I, I think I ended up catching eight or 10 balls that game and, and, mm-hmm. some, you know, a couple fourth down conversions that Chuck, you just, you, you know, Chuck had a high level of confidence in me and I, I, in him obviously. And, and, um, and so, yeah, you just go out and make the play.
1: Take uh, that Bo Pelini. Yeah. <laughs> well, know,
2: uh, bar. I mean, honestly, it's you know. I mean, I don't take this the wrong way, but it's you can tell when Matt Stafford was throwing a Cooper Cup. Yeah. You know, he just believed in him. He he knew where he was getting. You know, and that I, I, that was what I always tried to be as a receiver. I just wanted to be, and I guess that was the benefit of being a quarterback in high school is I always felt like I knew where the quarterback wanted me. You know, in relation to the defense, and I was always able to try to get to that spot. And when the quarterback kind of has that confidence in you you're going to get there. He can throw the ball to spots before you're there cuz he knows you're going there and you're going to get there. And and so um you know that being the case, I will tell you guys a story. I swear to god there was a four-year stretch there in the NFL when no one could guard me. And I truly mm-hmm. I felt like they're just you, when it, when you have it, when you when you're running routes and you're leveraging, it's like, you know, Gronk, he's just so big and physical that one he'll outposition you, but then two he can outrun you. I, I never had that part of it, but I could, I could always position you know, and get in a position where I felt like I could, you know, screen you off from the ball, and if the quarterback threw the ball in the right, you know, in the right spot, I could make the play. So.
1: Well, Marv, it is getting past Jerry's bedtime, and we need to let you get back to your family. This was an absolute blast. One of the most fun interviews we've ever done. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to, to talk with us, to reminisce, to go over all these amazing memories. And again, thank you for all the great things you did as a Hawkeye. We well, you guys truly are, you guys appreciate are, it. You
2: guys are too nice to give me the platform. So, uh, Oh, beautiful. no. Uh, it's, it's our pleasure. I, I speak at a lot of different places. I used to a lot. Um and now when I tell my stories and about, you know, Reggie White and Derek Thomas and Lawrence Taylor, all the kids just mm-hmm. look at me like, What? What do you talking <laughs> yeah. about? You know, So that, that stuff, the glory days are gone for me. So I, I rarely I rarely do this. Uh I literally got inspired when I watched Drew Tate because I just truly, truly enjoyed that hour that you guys spent with him and I learned a lot. I I thought I knew him a little bit, but I got to know him a lot better and I really admired a lot of what he talked about and how he presented himself. So
1: We uh, appreciate that. We really
2: want to be a part of this, so I'm grateful you guys reached out to me.
3: Well, and we'd appreciate it. Tell your friends because we can use all the help we can, you know, put putting off these Huskers over here, making sure they understand who the uh, who the kings of the block are. So, who
1: the alpha is in this Who place. the alpha is. So and, and, and any I'm, help you well, want to throw I'm, her I'm away,
2: I'm let us coach, know. Coach Frost a little bit and uh, uh, Coach Verducci, who was at Iowa when I was here, mm-hmm. was down in Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, so I know I know quite a few in Chenander, a bunch of Iowa guys are down there on that on that uh, on that program. So it's um, I think they're on the upswing now. So it's um, yeah. Well we We don't we're not
3: we're
1: not listening to that. As, long as, it,
2: as so. long as they're <laughs> paying for second or third on our division our conference. Hall, right? That's right. That's
3: right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Marv. All you right. have a great rest of the night. We appreciate it. Go hawks. Thank you
3: guys. Appreciate it. Go hawks. It.